on the precipice of Thanksgiving Eve. College basketball season getting started. Week 12 of the NFL. Thursday night game has been moved to Sunday. And this is the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman, and uh, glad you are listening to uh, an all-new edition of the Bearded Carcast. We've had our second Phantom uh, episode. This is actually episode 12. We hit all 16 games. We picked all <laughs> of them. We had them all right. Unfortunately, we didn't publish it. Well, there were some issues in the uh, audio, uh, so we didn't. It happens. Which is, which is interesting because the first three minutes really was gold. I would like to personally apologize to each and every one of our listeners. Sorry, Carl. <laughs> yeah. All one of you that missed the last episode. <laughs> but no, this is, uh, I mean, normally, uh, well, actually in a normal year would be probably three weeks into the college basketball season, but it, it's on the on the doorsteps here. And I don't know, you know, you and I have talked about this for years, uh, thinking that the, the start of the season should be pushed back anyway. This was pushed back for obviously different reasons, but I think it's, I don't know, I think it's good that it's pushed back in a weird kind what of What are way. your hot takes from the two games that have gone final today? South Florida 94, Florida College 84, and Abilene Christian 70, East Tennessee State 47. Your thoughts? Well, I'm more, I'm more interested in the uh, Xavier Oakland score because mm. at one point it was like 53 to 12. Well, I think the uh, post-Steve Forbes era in Johnson City, Tennessee, not off to a particularly strong start. And uh, Xavier is leading Oakland 94-40 to 40 with under four minutes to go. So if you have Oakland and 50, you're really <laughs> going to be biting nails down the stretch. Was that the line, really? I don't know okay. what the line was. Virginia Tech and Radford are engaged in a tight game with about 11 minutes to go. And that's kind of interesting because Radford is theoretically in rebuilding mode. Yeah. Carly Jones transferring to Louisville. And they graduated several pretty good players I love college basketball. What? It is my <laughs> really? favorite. I am a junkie. Yesterday morning, I talked to Debbie Antonelli for 45 minutes, and God, it just, it was so good to talk hoops with another basketball junkie. You'll love this, too. I emailed her on, uh, on Monday, just kind of wishing her a good start to the season and checking in on how things were doing. And she said, Dave, why don't you give me a call? Let's talk anytime tomorrow before 9 a.m. <laughs> if you open the door to any time before 9 a.m., yeah. exactly what time? Like, like just any time. Yeah. So did you call like 7.15? Uh, yeah, I, call, I called at like 8 o'clock, and it sounded like she had already played nine holes, worked out, <laughs> done the dishes, prepared the yeah. Thanksgiving meal. Right, I mean, right. she was ready to roll. Ready but, to roll. uh I got to tell you, I'm not that excited. Like, I get excited about college basketball. I will watch UCLA and San Diego State tonight. We're about to watch Winthrop practice. Hold on, hold on. UNH has a two-point lead on Keene State right now. Can we get the live stream? Should we Should we play it? Is there a stretch internet broadcast? Um, with all of the cancellations, with all of the uncertainty, I, like – I'm excited for Winthrop. I know a whole lot 
about three college basketball teams right now, Winthrop, Little Rock, and UNC Greensboro. That Those are the three teams I know a, an abundance about. Everyone else I kind of know some about, a little about, or I'll learn about. But what are we doing? What are we doing? There are going to be cancellations throughout the year. The virus is not going anywhere. What are we doing? Isn't it really simple what should be taking place? December and January, get in league games. February, make up all canceled games. If you are smart enough, lucky enough to have made it through December and January and have completed your league season, God bless you. Go play some non-league games then. We're going to have teams that play seven ACC games. We're going to have teams that play 15 ACC games. The tournament is going to be rushed and clunky. Why are we playing non-conference basketball games? Who cares about Abilene Christian and East Tennessee State? East Tennessee State needs to play Furman and Wofford. Why aren't Wofford and East Tennessee State playing today? Well, and of, of any time to play more, you know, hyper regional games is now. You know, you know, obviously with travel restrictions. Um, you know, some states. You know, how do you get around? Uh, you know, some states you have to have a two week quarantine before you can play. I mean, it's everyone's got different rules. The, it, it, it's a mess. And hey, we understand it's a pandemic. It's been a very, very difficult situation. But, like, the idea, the ACC has built in zero dates for makeup games. Mm. The Big South has built in one week for makeup games. Do you have any thought in your head? Do you think there is a 1% chance that the entire Big South slate or the entire ACC slate is going to go off without issue and they are not going to need to make up any games? I think if the NFL is your guide, you'd have to say the answer to that is uh, no. The NFL, which has more resources, which is doing better testing, which has more secure hotels, that has charter planes. Well, and I mean, their players are still um, coming in contact with, you know, the general population, obviously their families. Uh, But when you talk about college kids and being on campus and – you know, I think the scary thing is, and this is something that, um, you know, was brought to our attention, you know, was talking to one of the administrators here, and I, don't, I won't identify him because I don't know if he wants me to say his name, but not that it's a big deal, but his concern is at some of these tournaments is players seeing their families for the first time in months and, you know, getting in close contact, hugging or whatever, and then po- maybe potentially getting the virus from, from somebody that hasn't been tested. I do not think that every college basketball team is keeping their student-athletes away from their families on Thanksgiving. Some are. Well, when you have a gathering of 6 or 8 or 10 or 12 or 15, and you do not know where all of those people have been, there is some risk if, let's say, a third of the 300-plus teams opt to let their student-athletes go home, and there are 15 student-athletes on a team, do the multiplication, there are going to be some people pick up the virus. I was texting with a friend who is in 
Division I college basketball. His team is currently shut down because of COVID. He has experienced the virus, and he said, oh, by the way, it's not a cold, and it's not the flu. It's miserable. I've been in bed for five days. Mm. I can't taste anything. I can't smell anything. I feel awful. Yeah. That's coming. It's coming to a team near you. Right. Well, and and we are not at a situation either regionally, locally, regionally, or nationally where you feel good about numbers coming down. If anything, you know, we're starting to see some states report um, hospitals and ICUs at close to or at 100% capacity. Do you think the NCAA tournament is going to be played as it is currently scheduled? <sighs> I, I, on the time frame that they want to do it, I don't think so. I, I mean, I'm hopeful, but I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I, if I had to, if you said you got to lay down $50 right now on a decision, I'd say no. I think it is very doable but not the way things are currently structured. If you used February for makeup dates, yeah. you got rid of this nonsense. Hey, I don't mean it's nonsense. If Winthrop goes out and beats UNC Greensboro and Little Rock, two teams that are going to be around the top 100 of the Ken Palm or the RPI or the net, and they win the Big South tournament, they're going to be a 12 or 13 or 14 seed as opposed to a 15 or a 16 seed. They'll have a much greater opportunity to win a game. The games are not meaningless. But the point is to get the NCAA tournament in. That's where the big money is. If we just pretend that nothing's going on and act as though everything's normal, we jeopardize all of those things that are most important. And it's gonna, it's really gonna come down to you know individual responsibility, right? I mean, you know, and, and I think to some extent of all the years, you have to, you literally, this has to be one of those taking it one, you know, one day at a time. You know, you have to, you know, you know, try to keep your sa team safe. You know, try to improve in practice. Um, hopefully, nobody is in contact with somebody that gets COVID because now you're looking at a shutdown. And if I were the coach at a team with a lot of resources. I would have someone on my staff preparing skeleton scouting reports for almost every team in the country, or certainly every team within 100 or 200 miles, because I believe very firmly there's going to be a day that Winthrop is scheduled to play Team X at 7 o'clock, the game gets canceled, and 24 hours later, they're playing a different team yeah. in a different venue. Yeah. Like you just got to be ready for for. I I, I was texting with uh, our friend Stephen Stone at WRHI this morning, and he was double checking on what time our our first several games are going to be in pregame coverage and when we want to test our radio equipment and stuff like that. And I said, it's going to be a weird season. He said, mm -hmm. I like weird. I said, you're going to be tested. <laughs> College football has been playing throughout the virus. Some teams rather successfully getting off all their games and winning a whole bunch of them, and some not so successful. Cal and Stanford will play Friday. We think they have scheduled so far to have played eight games combined. They've managed to play four of them, and neither team has 
won a game. The college football rankings are out. The usual suspects are at the top of it. I know there is some thought that BYU was not ranked nearly as strongly as maybe they have earned. But they played like a Sunbelt schedule. They've played a horrible schedule. I mean, I, I feel... I, because I generally do feel like there's value in going undefeated, but they literally—I mean, their toughest opponent, and it was a close game, was UCF. Yeah. I mean, everything else was—you um, know—no no disrespect to you know some of the teams that they played, but I mean, it's not like they—it's uh, not like they played an ACC schedule or even. Um, they played you, a bunch of garbage. But you look at Cincinnati. I mean, at least Cincinnati played—you know—all um, you know. AAC schools. I think Cincinnati is really good. Cincinnati is. Now they have a bigger beef, I think, than. Um, I agree. The question is, who should they be ranked ahead of? Cincinnati is number seven. They're clearly not ahead of Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, no, no. or Ohio State. And I think the top so, four are, are rightly placed. They are. And, and then, just should they be ahead of Texas A&M? Or Florida. I mean, eh. may, may, maybe yes, maybe so. I mean, Northwestern is five and zero. They're three games away from an undefeated regular season. It, it's just, it's so bizarre the way things look no pac-12 team is up high in the rankings pretty justifiable well they haven't had a, a sample size yet to really include. right no big 12 team is there they were all bad in their one non-conference game and so oklahoma has been really good of late well it, it's probably too little too late but it, it is such a funky weird season have you watched a lot of college football more than normal, less than normal? What what has been your consumption? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it has actually been a little bit slightly less than normal. And I will say uh, some of that had to do with the fact that, um, you know, my son was playing baseball this year. So we you know, we were kind of occupied a little bit, you know, more so. I know it was earlier in the day. Um, I think we did one game that was kind of late, but it still occupies your time and, you know, there were some games where after the games he, he wanted to do some work afterwards. So, and then we'd, you know, Sam and I would go out and do like catch up on shopping and doing stuff like that because she's still working. And, you know, I've, you know, I've been busier in the fall than I was, you know, in the summer. It was, you know, if they played college football in the summer, I would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've watched a lot more just because I normally broadcast college football games right. since Gardner Webb hasn't been playing. I've been available to watch, but I, I'm not overly captivated. I mean, Honestly, and this isn't the fault of the really good teams, and you and I have talked about college football, the institution, many times, but he, I mean, here we are with the same teams that are right. always there. And then I think, this, I mean, obviously, in a, in a, I think in a crazy situ situation like this, I mean, it's equally, not maybe not equally likely, but, you know, two scenarios that would be popular are, you know, the Blue Bloods, you know, the, the best of the Blue Bloods will be up top, and, you know, maybe there is room for a surprise team, you know, you look at, you know, I don't think Coastal Carolina is, you know, and normally even where they are now, I don't think they would be in the top 25. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're ranked appropriately and they're having a great season and congratulations to them and to Liberty and everyone else kind of of that ilk having a really good season. But the reason we so often say the SEC is the best conference is they dominate they're non-conference games. Same thing with the ACC. What makes you a Power Five? Well, you play really good games within the conference, but outside of the conference, you beat up on people. This year, those teams didn't play right. non-conference games. So why are they better than Cincinnati? 
Like, like it makes sense when you look at the rankings that Alabama is one, Texas A&M is five, Florida is six, but it makes sense based on the prereq that the SEC is better than everyone else. Well, we don't actually have evidence that says that this year because they didn't play any non-conference games. Meanwhile, Cincinnati has gone ahead and beaten every challenger. And honestly, last week's three-point win over UCF was kind of bizarre. They could have scored at the end, and they opted not to. The previous three weeks, they played bowl teams, SMU, Memphis, and Houston, three teams with potent offenses, and they gave up 10-10 and 13 points. I completely understand why they're on the outside looking in, why they're probably not going to get in, all of those sort of things. But it's all based on the past. It's all based on what we know that the SEC is so good. How can that be used as a tool to assess who is in the top five this year since there were no non-conference games? I think that's the default, Dave, because you don't have the current bellwethers, right? I mean, what do you go? What do you go on? You have to go. I think this. Is, look, are they going on reputation a little bit? Um, you know, arguably those probably are the four best teams out there. Now, again, you'd like to see it uh, seen on the field. And you know, wouldn't this be a great year to have like a like a you know AAC, ACC, or AAC SEC challenge where Cincinnati could play uh, up a little bit and into a Power Five and, and test their metal? But you know, obviously at this stage, I mean, you know, Washington wants no part of BYU, so you know they're not going to get that opportunity. But you know, a football bracket buster would kind of be good right now. Yeah, I just like. I'm not well, right, but what do you? I mean, but what's the answer, right? I mean, I think it has to, the default has to be going on what you know, and they well, are known commodities. There are no analytics. We can't weigh the non-conference games, yeah. so we're just defaulting, like you said, yeah. to what we've seen in the past. In a shocker to no one, that's not particularly fair. Right. But I, I, I guess that's just what we have. I mean, I would really like to see the argument's going to get interesting for Cincinnati because in all likelihood Clemson and Notre Dame are going to play in the ACC championship game. If Notre Dame wins, they eliminate Clemson. They've beaten them twice. Clemson's gone. Well, then Cincinnati's raising their hand going, we're undefeated. Mm -hmm. Why should Florida go ahead of us? Or if Clemson beats Notre Dame, now you have two one lost teams. So why is it do or die for the little guy? They have to go unbeaten and still are off to the side. Don't make it when these teams get a second opportunity. Yeah, you lost that first one. Go beat him the second time you get in. Hey, let's let you both in. Why not? Well, but it goes back to the it's old an unfair system. It's an unfair system, but it goes back to the old argument. Um, you know, when you talk about the field of 64, you know, should you know, if there's a year where, let's say, you know, Winthrop and Radford both have great non-conference schedules, battle it out throughout the year, you know, only one can go to the NCAA tournament, but the second team is deserving, you know, should that second team in the Big South go or should it go to, like, the seventh team in the ACC? I don't have a problem when we're debating the 68th and 69th teams. No, but— Like, I I understand what you're saying. The Big South has never had an at-large berth, and there may be a year where— Somebody can stand up and go, hey, look at our resume. We're deserving. But again, that that is looking at the bottom 
of the bracket. The bottom of the bracket in college football is number four. Right. If you're number five, you're on the outside looking in. I get why we think Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson are the four best teams. It's totally reasonable, but it's based on the past because we didn't see Clemson clobber South Carolina in non-conference, and we didn't see— We didn't see them clobber Florida State either. <laughs> well, that, that's true. That's true. I, I, I don't know. Like, I know Cincinnati's going to get screwed, and— Norm- and, and, unless something crazy happens, it's going to be the, the combination of those four teams. Yeah, I mean, normally it's sort of justifiable. Yeah. This year, you can't really pin it on anything other than, well, that's what we've done before. Bearded Carcast, episode 12. If you, if you missed episode 11, well, you're just going to have to live with it. Oh, it was a dandy. <laughs> Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com uh, is how you get a hold of us on email at Bearded Carcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment. We love to hear from you, and um, that's how you do it. So coming into this week, I know last week people were uh, bereft of our 16, I mean, nailed picks. All of them were, were, were right on. I thought you hit a couple that I thought, uh, I mean, were outside the box. I'll admit I did pull a little out of my uh, rear end on some of those, but, but they were pretty good. But what do you like this week, Dave? What, what's, what's going on here? I like the Bears. Okay. They've lost like They've four lost, like, in a row. Yeah. Everyone is criticizing their defense or their offense, I should say, the quarterback situation. Well, they're getting a boatload of points against a Green Bay team that I thought has been good, not great the entire season. The teams the Bears have lost to recently, yeah, they've lost four games in a row. Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings. Those teams are pretty good. Well, they beat the Buccaneers. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Falcons. Now they're playing a Green Bay team that, you know, they are among the better teams in the NFC. I'm not so sure being among the better teams in the NFC isn't being the best JV team right now. The NFC's hot garbage. I mean, every week I try to convince myself of who the best team is. This week it was the Rams. Oh, the Rams, they're they're really good. Yeah, they're kind of flawed too. Or it's the Saints. Well, they were kind of actually lucky to, to win a couple of games and then Breeze is out. Taysom Hill certainly looked really good, but it was only one game. Here are the, uh, the last three wins for the Packers. Texans, 49ers, Jaguars. Which ones of those are you really excited about? Oof. Their other three games during the six-game span are losses to the Buccaneers, 38-10, loss to the Vikings, 28-22, loss to the Colts, 34-31. What makes them so good? I'm not saying they're not better than the Bears. I'm not saying they're not going to beat the Bears. But you're looking at a team that is among the best teams in the NFC. They're 3-3 three and three in the last three weeks with a loss to a mediocre Minnesota team, and they haven't beaten a team that's a playoff contender. Hmm. And who do you like? Um, so I'm, I'm having – what's the line on this New England-Arizona uh, game? Um, Have you seen it? Let's find out. Because I, I, it, it says uh, it's a two. It's a Arizona two. is a two-point choice. Oh, two, two yeah, and a half. Is. There it is. Yeah, one of them had, a, I think, a pick them. I don't know. Was, but anyway, um, you know, I hate to say this, but uh, I think I'm going to go Arizona on this one. I mean, I, I think it's, 
I think I think New England has showed us enough of what they are. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think Arizona is any good, but I know New England's no good. They have a brilliant coach. They don't have any good players. Yeah, I don't have any. Now, Arizona, I, I think just from a talent level, they're – they're, they're bells and whistles, and and their quarterback is is younger and and kind of not hungry. I mean, Cam's, but I, I'm going to take Arizona with Arizona with shiny objects, bells yeah. and whistles. Like it's exciting, it's cool looking, but the results are kind of yeah. middling. Yeah. They're fine right now, though. The Patriots aren't any good. Now that being said, that's the same Patriots team that two weeks ago yeah. yep. beat yep. Baltimore. So maybe Baltimore is no good. You know who's good? Kansas City. Kansas City. And Pittsburgh, and maybe the Raiders. Yeah. Like, it's small sample size, but they've played two games against Kansas City, and maybe they're the better, better kind of third-tier team. Like, that, that's a good question. I think most people think Kansas City and Pittsburgh are the two best teams in the NFL. Who's the third best team? Oof. I don't know. I mean, I think the— I mean, there's, there's, I know a bunch of candidates, but I don't know who I would pick out of I mean, that in bunch. the NFC— you can talk about Seattle. We've seen they're yeah. flawed. You can talk New about New Orleans. They've got some issues. We we just dissected Green Bay for a minute or two. I don't know. In the AFC, though, I don't think it's anyone in the East, though. The Bills are 7-3. and three. I don't really think it's the Browns, though it's not impossible. Indianapolis or Tennessee, Las Vegas. Like, all of those teams, to me, are better than the third best team yeah. in the NFC. Yeah, and I think Tennessee maybe because of Derrick Henry. You know, when you get into December and you're playing a lot of cold weather games, you know, maybe that's a, a good situation for them. But you know, I mean, I think the tease is, you know, let's t- you know, obviously Dave and I'll take a look at games this weekend and and maybe we kind of revisit this conversation on the uh, you know, God willing, <laughs> good Lord willing, because um, I think for, this is gonna be a fluid situation. Um, as we get down the stretch here in December. Winthrop tips off the season Sunday night, but what will you be thankful for tomorrow? Uh, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that um, I'm thankful that we have uh, an opportunity to uh, continue to do what we do uh, in these trying times uh, and hopefully give some joy to some people. Um, but it is with a little bit of a heavy heart because um, – you know, this virus has taken a lot of toll on a lot of people. And, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, every day for our health and, our, you know, my friends and my f- you know, family and uh, into the Bearded Carcast, Dave. Yeah, I'm thankful for our massive Bearded Carcast <laughs> audience and Bill Raftery. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, leave a comment, uh, do whatever you want to do, but uh, just do it well for us. Thank you.